I genuinely can't tell if that's good. Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 18th of April, 2023. What's going on? I'm in my room. It's dark. I've got the light that I normally have on off and I've got a different light on. You know what? It's really just kind of hitting me. I'm having a like a nice night. I've decided to stay in. It's Monday night tonight and I've decided to stay in because I don't have a show tonight and then after this is the last week of comedy festival and I've just been out and I've been tired and busy and all of that stuff and I stayed in. I just watched Fargo, a wonderful movie. I'll talk about that in a second. But I guess just being in my room, it's really hitting me and like I was talking to my girlfriend before and I was like, you know, she's going to be here in two weeks today and that's sick. And then like at the end of April, that's the 4th, I leave on the at the end of the 6th month. And um, like all things going to plan, I'm going to be gone, which means I'm going to have to get rid of all my stuff. And even if I'm not gone then, if I can't get the visa straight away and then I come back and then I leave I'm still planning to get rid of all my stuff I'm gonna get rid of all my stuff it's hard it just kind of hit me like fuck man I don't know if I'm like prepared like I'm I'm leaving I'm gonna do it but it's like it's a big thing that I'm doing I'm moving to the UK I'm scared (laughs) you know I did it when I was 23 I didn't think about it and I'm fucking 32, man. And I'm moving to another country with the goal being to kind of stay there and make a life there. And it's really scary. And, you know, I've got all of my stuff in Melbourne and I I love it. I love my home. I love all of my friends who are here. You know, the community that I've been a part of in Melbourne since 2016 the comedy community and everything. And I just, yeah, I don't know. It fucking hit me, man. It's two and a half months and I'm gone. And I don't think that I've fully kind of reckoned with that reality yet. As much as I'm trying to plan about like, I'm going to try and get this, you know, job or that thing planned to get money. And I'm planning like paying off the loan that I have and then getting a different loan and all of this fucking stuff. I just, yeah. I'm planning for the future, but I'm not really emotionally prepared for it. Um, Even just the process of selling my things, you know, like I've got my wardrobe, my dresser, my bed, my bedside table, my beautiful Danish chair that I bought, all my plants, my ladder that I like sanded down and lacquered and my nice piano chair. I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of all my plants. I want to get rid of most of my clothes. I'll probably have to get rid of a few of my pairs of shoes. I love having lots of different pairs of shoes. <sighs> I've got like, I'll probably have to get rid of a bunch of my books. Heaps of my books. I'm going to have to get rid. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to get rid of so many books that I bought and have not read. <laughs> <laughs> I have that disease common amongst people who think of themselves as intellectuals. <laughs> A disease 
of buying books and then not reading them and being like, I'll read that later. <laughs> I just have all these books that I've held on to and not read. Dude, I've been reading this book by Stephen Fry about poetry for like <laughs> three months. And I bought another book that I can't wait to start reading, but I'm trying to be disciplined. I'm like, you will not start this other book until you finish the first book. I've also got the fucking second book, the list biography sitting on my dresser, half read. That's too big, so I didn't want to take it to Adelaide and Perth. So I was reading it in January and I just, you know, I'm halfway through it. I've stopped reading it. I've got the other volume, the third one there that I bought in Edinburgh in August. Haven't even cracked it. <laughs> and I've just got all this fucking stuff, man. It's fuck that George Carlin bit is so right, isn't it? I don't really like George Carlin. It's, he's good, but I don't. he doesn't make me laugh. And he has that bit where it's like stuff. Your whole life is stuff. I can't even do the bit. I don't know what the bit is. He just lists things, doesn't he? That's what I don't really like about George Carlin. He just kind of lists. He's just listing. But he lists all the things that you have. And then when you go on holiday, you've got to, your friends invite you on holiday. And that's great. But then it's annoying because you've got to take all your stuff. And you've got to pick which stuff you take. And then you go on holiday. And then they invite you from the holiday place to this other place on the lake. And you're like, now I've got to pack up my stuff because I got too much stuff. That's like the only George Carlin bit that's really ever stayed with me. A place for my stuff. Because what do you do in life? You fucking work so you can buy a place to put your stuff. That's not my... And then, yeah, what is it? And it's like, you don't, you want your stuff. You don't want other people's stuff. That's shitty stuff. Not your stuff. That's the good stuff. <laughs> I've got my stuff. Oh, I don't know how, like I even looked into like a shipping thing, you know, to like ship some of my stuff over. It's expensive. I don't know how much of my shit I'm going to be able to take. I'm definitely getting rid of all of my bed and everything there. Like I'm getting rid of my fucking, oh God, even thinking about it. You know, I bought my flight to go over. I bought a, a like, a, it's not on a budget airline. I bought, like, with baggage. So, at least I've got, like, a one bag plus my carry-on. Is that what I'm moving over with? A bag and a carry-on? Fuck. My records, you know, am I going to keep those? I want to keep some of them. I'm going to lose most of them. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm going to miss home. But that's, I think, what makes it like it's a good thing that I'm doing. It's like this moving or maybe I've been talking about it. I can't even remember if I've mentioned it on the pod. But like I'm leaving Melbourne and I'm because I'm leaving, I am like really, I'm appreciating it so much more. Like I just, I love it. I love this city and it's been my home basically since I was 21, realistically since I was 25, definitely. And um, 
I'm like appreciating all the things that I love about it. And I'm really scared to go and do something unknown. I'm scared to move to another country and have no money. I'm sure it's not going to be as bad as it was when I was young, but I'm really scared about that. (sighs) Anyway, you know what happened this week? I don't know why I'm talking about this. It's good to talk about. This is a thing, this kind of fear. You know what? Let me have a sip of tea. Perfect. Just like Melbourne. (laughs) This kind of fear is good to talk about because it's not like a negative. It's not something that I'm like angry or upset about. It's just, it's love. It's like, it's just appreciation and love. That's what the fear is, is, is fear to leave a place where I'm comfortable and that I, that I love. Um, that is home and go to a new place. So it's good to voice that because it comes from a good place. But what happened this week was on Thursday, I think. I, oh my Lord. Hey, maybe this yawn is because I'm about to say something that's quite emotional. I called up the, um, the uh, what's it called? The family court in WA to check what the status was with the adoption and I found out that it had gone through. I've been adopted. My stepdad, my dad, who raised me since I was two, is now my dad. How cool is that? I was on the phone to the lady. I called them up because like, man, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I, I can't remember which bits I've talked about and which bits I haven't, but the like the fucking, the zenith of this process was like, so I definitely talked about when I first was like applying, like I had to write affidavits from my perspective, my mom's perspective and my dad's perspective about my childhood saying that my dad raised me and it was very emotional. And then we had to get all these forms signed and me and dad had to have separate meetings with this social worker and she had to explain to us the process and blah, 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 blah. And then I had to go to WA and be in the state when the thing was like put forward because I had to be present in the state of Western Australia where my dad lives when the adoption order was sent through. So I was there for the fringe and we got it all sent and then there was the Australia Post fuck up and there was this fear that I wasn't going to be there in time and I was like, they fucking, my mum signed the thing and she had it. Oh my God, my mom had a fucking operation that I didn't know about. So she was in hospital. So she got her forms signed and then the next day, she didn't tell me, but she was going into hospital to have this operation and um, you don't really appreciate how serious a thing an operation is until someone in your life is having an operation. The word operation, I guess just like... Growing up watching The Simpsons, it's just a thing. I don't even know if there's any... I can't think of a reference to The Simpsons when they talk about operation. But like, you know, when someone's having an operation, like if you're at school and they're like, oh, blah, 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 like dad's having an operation today. And you're like, yeah, all right, whatever. (laughs) It's an operation. It's like a mathematical operation. It's just like a plus or a minus or a divide. They're just dividing your dad in half and minusing out some stuff. And then they're going to plus him back together and you can... 
<laughs> and you can you can multiply your ass out of here. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a real thing. It's an operation. Whatever. When my mum told me she was having an operation, I was like, they're fucking cutting my mum open to do some shit. I don't even know. She didn't tell me. Just something. Some stuff with her body. And um, so the day before that, she got her affidavit signed that I sent to her. And then the next day she went in for the thing. And then the day after, I'm tracking this stuff that she got sent. And she said she had a bit of a time at the post office because she was saying this needs to be here. And then they fucked it up. And then it was going to a different place and whatever. The Australia Post system is not good. And then my mom's in the thing and I'm like, maybe I'm going to need to get another affidavit signed by her. She's like, I can't, I've had an operation. And then there was the whole fucking stress with that. But then it arrived, thank fuck. I got to call Australia Post and I got them to send it to the right place and they go in and I deliver it. Amazing. And then a few weeks later, I'm in Adelaide and dad calls and he's like, I just got a call from the thing and you've been rejected is what he said. And I just come off the back of a bad show because I've fucking low ticket sales. And I'm like, what do you mean I've been rejected? And in my mind, the whole thing's falling apart in front of me. This, this, this thing that is like, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to get adopted so I can move to the UK to be with my girlfriend. Right. And, uh, I get off stage from a bad show and my dad, I call him and, you know, he says, call me. So I call him. He's like, you've been rejected. I'm like, what do you mean I've been rejected? What are you talking about? Did they say rejected? He's like, you just, no, they sent me this. He sends me the screenshot and it's all fucking bits of like, it's not rejected. It's like them going, hey, this is wrong and this is wrong and you need to change this. And I'm like, dad, it's not rejected. (laughs) It's just, we need to change some stuff. Great. So we've got to, I write some new forms for him because I'm the one doing it. So I have to split up an affidavit into two separate documents and do a few things. And I rectify all of that. I send them to him. He needs to go get them signed by Justice of the Peace again. My dad lives in Kalgoorlie in Western Australia. It's 40 degrees every day out there. Or at least it was in February. And the only justice of the peace that he has access to is a guy who's fucking 94 years old. And a 94-year-old man on a 40-degree day, I believe, just turns to dust. I don't know what they do. How are you coping with 40 degrees when you're 94? How do those people... That guy can't leave the house. That guy literally can't leave the house. And so there's like weeks where I'm just messaging my dad going, did you get it signed yet? Did you get it signed yet? No. And then they finally do it. And then, right, those forms that he just got signed have to replace the old ones. And I'm on the phone to him and I'm like, he's like, can I just send them all in? I'm like, no, dude, his partner goes, Aiden, we'll just send them all in. And then the people at the court can sort them out. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) she goes we'll just send it all in and they'll they'll figure it out i'm like in what universe (laughs) have you ever like what bureaucrats have you been dealing with that you can fucking make them do the work that's not going to make sense they're going to send it back again are you crazy you have to make it easy for i don't understand that drove me crazy that 
attitude. I was like, how have you gotten this far in life? You got to make shit easy for people. That's like the whole fucking game. They don't care if I don't get adopted. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I think she does care because I think she cares about me. But that feels like you don't care. You know, what the fuck is wrong with you? They're going to sort it out. Oh, so she walked out of there. I think, I think she was just stressed. Bureaucracy is stressful. I was stressed. I was fucking stressed. And my dad, the fucking hero, the absolute hero, sat there with the forms and looked at them all and got one by one, took the old ones out and put the new ones in. I could hear him. Man, when my dad, when my dad starts... I hear him sometimes. I've heard it a bit lately. He turns into like a little boy. He did it. The other week I was talking to him about um about he was got he, he normally plays bowls, but he was telling me he went to play darts with his mates. Or he some one of his mates was like, Come play darts with us, we need an extra player. And he was saying to me, Aiden, I didn't really want to play darts, but they said they needed an extra player, so I was like, All right. I'll play darts. And then he goes, I get there and I'm on this guy's team and I don't want to be on this guy's team. I want to be on the other team. And now I'm playing with this guy and I'm on his team and I'm drinking and I don't want to be on this team. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the problems that like an eight-year-old kid would have, you know. I was there and I was playing Foursquare with Jaden, but Jaden said that I had to go on Anthony's team and, and I don't want to go on Anthony's team, so now I'm having a bad game. But my dad's not eight years old. He's fucking 54, 55. He's 55. He's 55. It was like to hear him be like that, I was kind of like, this is a dude who's living his life right, you know? To be able to live a life where you can have the problems of an eight-year-old. Like all all he's doing is just he's he's drinking beer, hanging out with his mates and playing games. That is sick. And here's me, you know, fucking freaking out about forms and trying to sell tickets and writing jokes. What am I doing? It kind of made me think like this. I think I'm the one who's got it all figured out. He's got it all figured out, man. He gets to play games and drink beer with his friends. That's awesome. But the other time I heard him revert back to being into like a childlike state was when he was sorting those forms out. I could hear him really concentrating. And uh, through this whole process, it's made me like my dad doesn't show love by saying I love you. I've heard him try. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's I don't want it. I don't want him to say I love you because it sounds weird. <laughs> it's, it's like it's uncomfortable like bad karaoke. Now that is a funny line that I'm going to write down. <laughs> my, my dad saying I love you is uncomfortable like bad karaoke fuck that's like the that's some of the messiest writing you'll ever see in your fucking life um 
I don't want my dad to say I love you, but the way that he says I love you is he does stuff, acts of service, right? And uh, one of those things, because I could hear how stressed he was with the whole adoption process, and there's nothing in him, like there's nothing to gain for him, you know, in adopting me other than like it is nice, but like, you know, we know, I know that he's my dad. He knows that I'm his son. It's not really that important. Ultimately, don't tell the fucking judge that because I, <laughs> I wrote in an affidavit that it's very important <laughs> because I didn't want to say that I want to do it so I can get a visa. But uh, it's, not, it's not that important. He did it for me. And then going through that whole process and being available to do it, that's how he shows that he loves me. And that phone call, being on the phone and hearing how annoyed he was, but then hearing him like just kind of silently decide to just do the work of sorting these forms out. And I heard him like become a kid again and go like, that's a four. And so that's a four. So I'll put that there and that goes out. And then that's a two, there's two threes. So the threes go in, but there's another three, but that's the three. So that'll go out. All right. So that goes there. It was just really sweet. He's a fucking sweet dude, man. I love him. And if you listen to this, Dad, <laughs> I, there's no way <laughs> is what I said last time I talked about him on a podcast in Kalgoorlie and then all his mates fucking listened anyway. Anyway, so we do that and it was just this whole process and then, you know, I was still half expecting them to send it back again with some other problem. So I'm calling them up. And then the lady on the phone just goes, yeah, man, it's been accepted. The judge has had it and they put it through. And I was like, so it's done. She's like, yeah, it's done. Congratulations. I was like, oh my God, I didn't really know what to say. I kind of felt like I wanted to be more overwhelmed for her because she said whoever the lady was, I'd never talked to her before. It was just some lady from the family court in WA. She was like, you know, I don't, we don't normally get to like deliver these good outcomes, you know? Like, I could tell that she was kind of psyched. She was like, congratulations. And I was like, yeah, fuck, man. I don't know. Like, I, I was like, fuck, that's crazy. I'm sorry for swearing. <laughs> but I wasn't really overwhelmed. I don't know. I wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry. I, there, there was no... I wasn't... I didn't have that much emotion. I wanted to cry for her. I, <laughs> that would be funny if she says that. I'm like, hey, man, that's sick. Sorry I'm not crying or whatever. Like, I'm very happy, but... You know, I was raised in a society where as a man, it's kind of seen as weak to cry. So forgive me for not doing so right now. But believe me, I am incredibly happy with this. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a son, you go home and you tell him to cry when he sees beautiful stuff or else this is partly your fault, okay? (laughs) And you know what, maybe, so that happened on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, or maybe it was Wednesday, it might have been Wednesday, whatever, it was It was this week. <sighs> and maybe a part of why I'm now looking around my room and being scared and sad that I might have to give my stuff away, is it's kind of real, because I've been adopted, that's that step, now I've got to get my, um, I've got to get 
my birth certificate from South Australia once the adoption forms get to my dad. And then once I've got that, it's pretty much the process is like, okay, it's time to apply for this visa. And maybe I need to go, I don't know. Yeah, I've got to get the money together and I've got to get the visa and I've got to fucking do it. It's wild. It's so wild. It's happening. And maybe that, maybe it's just like it's becoming more real now as the steps kind of happen. It's like I definitely 100% will be doing this and I want to do it, but it's really scary. So, anyway, that's that. That's me talking about that. Hey, now what else was I going to talk about? Fuck, man, that movie Fargo was so. Actually, you know what? Here's another thing that ties in this movie Fargo that I just watched. I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, I'm going to talk about it for a bit. I might ruin it. I don't know. I don't know if there's a... I'm very skeptical of... Like, can you ruin a movie? Like, you can know what happens, but just watch it anyway. I don't know. I think if a movie is able to be ruined and then you can't watch the movie and enjoy it, it probably wasn't a very good movie to begin with. And I only say that because I've never seen The Sixth Sense. But I know that the guy's a ghost. I know that. I'm, I've, I've just... I've fucking learned that somehow. It's just the, the twist is... It's out there enough. But if the movie is just the twist, you know, I'm in for the journey, mate. Maybe that's why I haven't watched Sixth Sense because I'm like, well, I know he's a ghost now, so I don't even need to watch it. I wonder if I would enjoy it. I wonder if I'd just be watching it the whole time going, fuck, I wish I didn't know he was a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Opening credits. (laughs) Come, you see the guy opening scene. He's like eating breakfast. You're like, he's a ghost. (laughs) That guy's a ghost. (laughs) Uh, I'm not able to explain to you guys why I found that funny, I don't think. (laughs) He's a ghost. He's straight up a ghost. (sighs) Well, I just watched Fargo and it's about a man who... It's about a man who has a family. He has so much. He's got a wife. He's got a son. He's got a father-in-law who doesn't really care about him. But, like, I mean, he cares about him. You know what? He cares about him enough to give him a job at the car dealership that he owns. So his father-in-law is looking after him in a way, but he just wants everyone to give him shit, I think. And the movie starts with him organizing for these shady guys to kidnap his wife because he needs money. He's run out of money, whatever, and he won't be able to get it so he's gonna fake these guys kidnapping his wife and then split the ransom with them and you know that's obviously insane and he doesn't really mention what his problem is like maybe it's gambling maybe he's got in deep with some people maybe he can't repay his loans but he's just he's just doing dodgy shit and like you know the guy like at the car dealership he's like lying to this guy and the guy calls him out on it and he just sits there and takes it. He's just, he can't be honest. He's just a dishonest man. He just does what is that? He doesn't believe in himself. And through the whole movie, he just can't, he just can't fucking face up to his own decisions and turn and go, you know what? From now on, I'm not going to. And, uh, 
it's I guess there's a the other character is this lady who's a um this lady who's a uh police officer and she's pregnant and she's got her husband at home and you know she's got a kid on the way and they're very lucky and they they love each other and you know the, the symbol of hope but she's also an agent of the law and I guess in this story the law is kind of like a force that makes you face up to your decisions if you're unwilling to do it yourself there's people out there who are like you're not going to do this anymore because you keep hurting people with your fucking denial and you're you're weak he's a weak man the protagonist he's unable to face up to whatever the fuck trouble it is that he's gotten himself into if he went to his father-in-law and just said look man i've got myself in trouble and i can't do it like the worst thing that can happen is his father-in-law at the start of the film because he's got he's trying to pitch a deal to his rich father-in-law and he's like, oh, he got this good deal and, you know, it could really make sure that uh, me and my wife and, like, your daughter and your grandson, you know, we're not going to be in any trouble. And the guy goes, those two are never going to be in any trouble. Basically going like, you're the one here who's fucked. I'm looking after them if you can't that's the thing he can't he's not a fucking man he the first thing he does when his wife gets kidnapped he doesn't call the police he calls the fucking father-in-law i don't know i don't know if i'm making any sense because i don't know if you guys have seen the movie and i'm trying not to just tell you the whole plot but it made me think about my own life because i see a weak character who can't face up to his shit and i'm like I don't want to be that guy. I'm, I can't. I can't be that guy. You see a, a character like that portrayed in something and you're just like, for me, I'm like, am I that guy? Because I can't be that guy. What can I do to make sure I'm not that guy? So I guess with this moving to the UK shit, I'm like, I don't want to take money off my family. You know? Or... I don't know. I don't know what the shit way to do it would be. You, you want to do things in the right way and take responsibility for your decisions and try and do things under your own steam. Man, I remember when I was... Um, oh, my God. i got another fucking story to tell you. God damn it, this fucking week. Anyway, <laughs> when I was recording, you had to be there, the, the documentary about the Edinburgh Fringe. And I was um, interviewing Mark Silcox, who was like one of my favorite interviews of the documentary even though only one line of his got in there if you don't know mark silcox he's the old indian man with gray hair like silver beautiful silver hair and a mustache um who has the best line in the film when i say to him so have you you've got like a wife and kids do they ever come up to the festival and he goes in his thick indian accent he goes they have uh, different interests it's <laughs> amazing and he fucking killed me. I laughed so hard and it's killed both times I've shown it publicly. That, like, he's just, he's the best, man. Silcox is the best. And in that interview, there was one part where he was saying like, you know, if you want to do comedy, that's great, but you have to be able to support yourself. And if you can support yourself through comedy or if you need to get another job, it doesn't matter, but everyone has to work. And if you aren't supporting yourself with your own work then you're not self-sufficient and that's bad 
and it's it, I, there's something about that just really wrong true to me because it is you got to be able to support yourself you need to be able to pay your own bills and live and pay for that and you know if you've got if you've got a family you need to be able to have the fucking set up in that unit to be able to support yourself and your family if you've got kids or if you've got a partner who's dependent on you or whatever it is you need to be able to do it yourself you can't be fucking taking handouts from people and it's so important i think so maybe that's what my anxiety is is like in australia i know i can do that and i'm scared that i won't be able to do that when i get to the uk but i think i will i gotta believe in myself because this guy in this movie fargo he didn't believe in himself he didn't believe that he could do it without he thought that he needed to to take from other people he thought that he needed to lie. There was a scene at the start when he's selling a car to this guy and the guy's wife. And uh, he's evidently said to the guy, yeah, I've got the car. It's on the lot for you and this is the price. And then the guy gets in there and sits down with him and he goes, is that the price? And he goes, oh, no, it's actually, it's not nineteen five. It's not 19500 It's twenty grand because we've put this coat on for you, this special coat of the the like the stuff it doesn't get any salt on the car it's a special paint and the guy's like nah you said you had it for this price and not that what are you doing and he's like nah man it's good though and he's like i don't care if it's good you said this and he goes into his boss says bullshit nothing to him comes back and goes you know what he's decided my boss he's gonna take a hundred bucks off just for you and the guy's like, you just levels it at him. You lied to me. You lied to me on the phone. You're a fucking scumbag. Go on then, get my checkbook. It's just like, whatever, man. If you need that fucking money, have it. And that's the thing. That guy doesn't believe in himself enough to just be able to make an honest buck. So he feels like he has to lie to people. And then he feels like he's got to fucking set up some elaborate scheme with these dodgy fucks to get someone to kidnap his wife. And it all goes wrong for him. And it catches up with him in the end. And there's a scene at the end where someone else is being spoken to by the cops and the cops are going like, what are you doing, man? The lady, she catches him and then she goes, I don't understand it. I don't know why you do this. You know, you like for money, you got to understand there's more important. There's more to life. That's what she says. She says there's more to life than money. To the guy while he's in the back of the car, one of the other the crooked fucking dudes. She goes, there's more to life than money. And now, you know, it's a beautiful day. And it's like, yeah, it's a beautiful day. And you fucking killed four people. And now you're going to jail over what? To make some money? And like, she's saying it to him, but the movie's saying it to the other guy. Oh, heartbreaking. Because, yeah... Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. He didn't believe in himself. I got to believe in myself. I can do it. You know what happened with my documentary? I'm so frustrated. The um, The music that was in it, uh, my editor, like, you know, he didn't check the licenses. It's This isn't my fault, but I'm not angry at him because I understand. He didn't check the licenses and um, I was about to put it up on this 
Oh, this thing called Film Hub. It's like a distribution service where you can get your projects distributed worldwide and they pitch it to people and whatever. And I went to put it on there and I'm like, hey man, can I just get the licenses for this music that you use? And then he checked and he's like, oh, it's not, you can't use it for broadcasts. So I'm like, fuck, what do we do? We've got to change the music. He's like, I could probably get cheap music, you know, 50 bucks a song, six songs. It's another 300 bucks. I'm like, fine, do it. So that's happening now. But it's just like this thing that I made, you know, that we made together, but I paid for. And I'm about to try and make some of the money back. And it's like, it just never stops, man, this project. I mean, I don't really care if I never make any of that money back. It doesn't really matter. I made a great thing. And... I just want people to be able to see it wherever they can see it, whether I'm getting money for it or if that doesn't happen, then I'll just put it on YouTube. But I want that to be happening by Edinburgh this year, by August. Maybe that'll be, yeah, I don't know. I got yeah, fuck, whatever. Whatever, whatever. I'm thinking about money, doesn't matter. The point is, I've now got to push him to get the new music on there because I can't, I don't have the skill to be able to do that the way he did it. It needs to be good and it was good and he did it great. But now we've got to do it again with new songs. <laughs> you make a thing, you spend 12 grand on it and it's still not fucking done, you know? <laughs> oh, mate. How are you guys doing? Are you guys feeling this? Do you understand where I'm coming from? I recorded another uh, another interview for the new podcast today. Still not drunk. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be great. I've been interviewing... Uh, how many have I got now? Let me check here. Let me uh, have a little check. I'll do a little teaser for you guys. Oh, come on. Load up, you fucking rat. It's external work. Still Not Drunk podcast. I have done, oh shit, 11. I've done 11 interviews. Have I? Yeah, I have. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11. That's cool, man. I've got the intro music. I've got uh, someone working on a logo. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I guess I'll start. I've filmed all of them. Some of them, you know, better or worse quality than others, but they've all got some kind of footage. Some of them, the audio is not a great quality, but uh, I'll try and work on that. I might not release all of them because some of them, the audio might, might be too shit. But the point is, I'll do another two. So that'll be 13 that I'll have recorded. And I'm planning to get a bunch more of the booze sent to me by my wonderful sponsor. I'll plug them on here, au. Get all your alcohol-free drinks online from there. Delivered all over Australia. I want to get her to send me some more stuff and do some more interviews in Sydney and in Brisbane when I'm out there which is very exciting but um yeah man I did some more interviews for that that I'm hoping maybe I'll make some money on that maybe that'll be cool you know I hope I don't know we'll see I don't really know I don't know where I'm at the, the festival's been hard I got a great review on Friday from the age four stars very proud the show's good I think it's a good show I'm booking in some more shows around Australia and Europe. Brisbane's on sale. Gold Coast is on sale uh, 26th and 28th of March, respectively, if you want to come out to those. If you know anyone in Brisbane and Gold Coast, that'd be sick. What else have I got? Geelong. 
in June. I've got Warnable in June. I've got Sydney, by the way, the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th of May. If you know anyone out in Sydney, get on those. And I got one more. What's the other one? I'm forgetting one. I know I'm forgetting. Oh, Wollongong. Wollongong. <laughs> I got some shows. I'm trying to do some stuff. You know, man. You know. <sighs> I want to talk about one more thing. What do I want the photo to be this week? I want to call this week's episode Adopted because I got adopted and I talked about it a bunch. What do I want the photo to be? I want the photo to be... I can't do... Chris Franklin was last week, mate. What are you doing? Um, I had a lovely interaction with a cat the other day. That was a nice thing. I don't need to talk about that. Maybe I'll just... It would just be a picture of me this week. I took a photo of myself. That's nice. I was in the park in Edinburgh Gardens the other day um, waiting to take a call from one of the directors of the Gothenburg Fringe in Sweden, which I will be performing my show at over two nights in September. I think the September the 7th and the 9th, I think I'm going to be there. And also hopefully showing the film with all new music that I will have paid for. <laughs> and I had a meeting with a... Um, they had to set a meeting, schedule it just for me because I'm in Australia and the time zones are all fucked. So... Very kind. They got, you know, she got on the, um, she woke up early over in Sweden and got on the fucking Zoom and it was 5 p.m. <sighs> oh, my Lord. 5 p.m. on Friday. Great. So uh, I just found a nice spot in the park. I was like, I'm not going to go home. I've got all my gear on me um, and I've got shows and I just I don't have time to go home. So I just went to the park. And uh, it was a nice day. I sat in the park. And while I was waiting for her, I sat watching. There's a skate park in the middle of Edinburgh Gardens. And uh, I just love watching dudes skate, man. And there was one guy who was really good. And I just like, kept trying to like film him. But like there were, oh, there's like a group of people in front. So I don't want them to think I'm filming him. Uh, sorry, filming them. I want them to see that I'm filming here. I don't know. I don't know if it's weird to film people at the skate park, is it? I'm sitting fair way back, but my phone's got a good camera so I can zoom in. But he just kept doing this one run. He kept going down the little quarter pipe there and then up onto this uh, f like transition and just getting a really big air over the transition. I filmed him. He nailed it a few times. It was awesome. And it was beautiful weather. Um, the group sitting in front of me were like, there were like a group of like six, seven, eight young, like 18, 20 year olds. They were just sitting there kind of drinking. They actually weren't looking at me, but I was kind of self-conscious that they might think that I was trying to film them. Um, and then the guy, he started doing that one run with the transitions and then he did it a few times. He would go and he would hit the transition, do a big jump, and then he would do a little grind on the pole that seemed easy for him that was just maybe a warm down. And then he would go up to the other side and he would stand there for a bit and then he would skate lazily back across the park, get up to the corner where he started from and he'd stand there for a bit and catch his breath and then he would go again. And I filmed him like four or five times. I don't even know why. I didn't feel like I didn't... I think I sent... Maybe I sent one of them to my girlfriend... It was just cool. It's nice to see someone, you know. 
And he was clearly the best. He kept doing it, and some of the other guys around him were like tapping their skateboards on the ground. It was a sunny day. And I remembered all the times at Edinburgh Gardens. Like I really got to know that place during lockdown. I think everyone in that part of Melbourne did. Everyone would go there during lockdown. It was the place where we could all hang out because you couldn't go to people's houses. And uh, that was just another moment, you know. I just love Melbourne. I love, I just love it. I think that's it. That's the podcast for this week. Yeah, I'm done. If you guys are digging it, please give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Music, whatever, Spotify. Like the Facebook page. Follow me, Aiden Jones Comedy. Go on to my website. I've got a new website, by the way. It's up and live. We're still working on little bits of it, but for the most part, it is live. So go check it out. Um, It's looking really good. And I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Bye-bye.